This is, a, this, is, this is a new message, but it's a, it's, 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 a, it's a message I've preached before. There's a lot of updates and a lot of changes to it, but it is a message I've preached before. And, and obviously, Matthew 18, if, if I asked you, what, what is Ma- Matthew 18 about? What would be, Brent, what would be your response? Any idea? What would it be about? There's several things in there. What's the big theme? Anybody got a thought? Church discipline, big part of that, big part of that. It comes into forgiveness is, is a, the big, a big message in there. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. But discipline is absolutely in there. Church discipline. So in Matthew 18, we're going to be looking this morning at, at forgiveness. Really, we're going to be looking at bitterness. Okay, bitterness is what we're going to look at. Now, how many of you have ever heard, you see the, the, the thing up there, put that down before you hurt yourself. How many of you have ever heard that? You ever heard somebody say that? So, so as I was, I was doing some research, I kept running across that phrase. I thought, this really does fit in this because bitterness is something we need to put down. It's something we need to set aside and get it out of our lives. And so that's the title this morning is put this down. And, and, you know, we probably said it with our kids, you know, sometime like Jesse when he was little and he's trying to, you know, he was smaller. He's trying to pick up Jordan or something. And he'd pick her up. And I'd be like, dude, put her down before you hurt yourself or, or she hurts you because that's more likely what was going to happen. At that time, but uh, we've all heard that. But if, if you know, you've, when you were a kid, maybe you're picking up something that was too heavy, or messing with something too heavy, or maybe it was not. It was something dangerous. But but parents or grandparents, somebody would say that inevitably. You hear, put that down before you hurt yourself. And that's the idea of our of our message this morning as we look at Matthew 18 on bitterness. There 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 was something. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, one of the hardest things for us, even as Born-again believers, one of the hardest things for us is forgiving. I think when we, when we look in Scripture, we run across a lot of things, a lot of instruction from the Lord, and we go, you know what, that, okay, I can do that. Okay, I, that, I can do that. But, but forgiving is a difficult thing. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm not going to get ahead of myself because, because I'll explain why I believe that's so difficult during this message. So when we don't forgive, when we're carrying that heavy load... Bitterness can easily spring up. And so you see the guy there in that slide that, you know, he's got that, that big old rock on his back. You know what? That's when we're unforgiving, when we're mad at somebody, we're angry at someone, whatever it may be, whatever we think they've done or what they actually did. When we're angry with them, we're upset with them. Look, we're the ones carrying around that heavy load. And when we carry around that heavy load of anger and unforgiveness or whatever it may be, you know what? There's the danger of this root of bitterness springing up in our life. Hebrews 12, 15 says, looking diligently. So, folks, we as believers, we ought to be, we ought to be looking diligently. We ought to be on the constantly being aware of, of things in our life. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Now, it's not talking about losing salvation. But you know what? We, we get away from the Lord. We miss out on His grace in areas because of what we do, not because of what He does. But we miss out on that. So, that any man, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness, this root of bitterness springing up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. If you've ever been around someone who's bitter, you realize it's not just them that is defiled. It's not just them that, that catches it. Everybody around them typically catches it. At some point or another, when, when there's someone who's bitter, when there's a root of bitterness... Uh, bitterness is resent, uh, resentful cynicism that results in an intense antagonism or hostility toward others. As an adjective, the word bitter means sharp like an arrow or pungent to the taste, disagreeable, venomous. None of that sounds good, does it? No. None of that sounds good. That's bitter. Bitterness is the state of mind that willfully, listen, willfully holds on to angry feelings Ready to take offense, able to break out in anger at any moment. It's a pretty good description of, of bitterness. If you've been around bitterness or if you've personally had bitterness, we, we understand those feelings. A person who is bitter is often resentful, cynical, harsh, cold, re- relentless, and unpleasant to be around. Typically someone who is bitter, they're not, they're not someone you enjoy hanging out with. 
Everything's, everything's negative. Everything's, it's, just, it's just not a good thing. Folks, God's will is that his children live in love, joy, peace, and holiness, not in bitterness. God doesn't want us to live in bitterness. He doesn't walk us, want us walking in that. Therefore, we believers must always watch diligently and guard against the dangers of bitterness. Leviticus 19, 18 says, You shall not take vengeance, listen, nor bear any grudge, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the Lord says, I am the Lord. He says, I am the Lord. You know what we do often? When we, when we are unforgiving, we want to be Lord. We want to hold that person accountable. We want to not let them off the hook. And that's a lot of what's going on in that. That we, we really want to be God. We want to, we want to make... The Lord says, look, you don't take vengeance. That's not your place. And you don't bear any grudge. If you've ever seen the movie Ice Age, the sloth in there, and I can't remember the sloth's name, but I, this is one of the only lines I remember from the movie. But the sloth, one time, they were, there was a, a, a disagreement or something. I think the, the, the tiger in there asked him if he was mad or whatever. And he says, oh, man, you know me. I'm too lazy to carry a grudge. <laughs> that ought to be us. Not necessarily the lazy part, but we ought to go, you know, we ought to come to that realization that when you hold a grudge, man, that's work. It's work. It's burdensome. It, it is so freeing and so relaxing. And so it's just a wonderful feeling when we let those things go. If you have any bitterness in your heart this morning, you need to put that down before you hurt yourself. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, again, as we come in prayer, we do just ask for your blessing right now. Lord, as, as you've prepared in me, uh, Lord, and I've studied and I've, I've prayed through this and prepared this, Lord, uh, I believe, led of the Holy Spirit. But, Father, I pray that you'll guide my thoughts, you guide my speech. And, Lord, if there's anything that, uh, God, is not in these notes, that you'll put it on my heart. And, Lord, if there's something here that you want me to leave out, just prompt me that way, Father. I pray that you will guide this. Lord, I pray for our folks. This is a topic we preach on uh, and need to preach on often because offenses are happening all the time. There are things all the time around us that are happening that we could get mad about, we could get upset about. And we need this reminder. So today, Lord, as we look into this, maybe there's someone this morning that right now, even as they're thinking about this, their heart's racing a little bit because they're, they're bitter or they're angry with someone. They're, maybe they're not bitter yet, but they're heading that way. Maybe there's someone here that's full on, uh, just entangled in bitterness. But I pray that, Lord, you'll use the words today. You'll use your word today. To, to bring freedom, to bring a, a, a victory over, over this, this prison of, of, uh, of bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. So, Lord, just do what only you can do now. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, where does bitterness come from? Ultimately, it comes from an un unforgiving spirit. I mean, we don't typically go from an offense to bitter. Just like that. What happens is something happens and, and, it, and it brews. We, we chew on it. We hold it. We get upset about it. And there's a lot of different things it could be, like frustrations. You know, why are frustrations bad? Well, you know, frustration can be a bad thing. We get frustrated. Typically, if we're frustrated with someone, we, we've lost patience with them or we're, we're upset or whatever. But there's frustration. So it may be in the way that someone is treating us or has treated us. It could be in, in feeling used or taken advantage of. It could be feeling taken for granted. It could be a feeling of you've been ignored or you've been over, uh, undervalued or overlooked. It's just, you know, you're frustrated with a situation or with a person in that situation. It could be from envy and jealousy. You know, we could easily go, something happens to someone that's good, and we go, that, that ain't fair. Why, why did they get the promotion? Why did they get that money? Why did they do that? Why, did, why was that done for them? That should I deserve that. I deserve it. And so we, we, it could come from a place of envy or jealousy, which if, uh, obviously is not the right place to be come from. It could be from hurts from someone else, someone that, that they hurt us, abuse. There's a lot of different abuse. There's emotional abuse. There are people who emotionally abuse others. They, they, they manipulate them. They talk down to them. They, 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 lots of different emotional, verbal types of abuse. Then there's also physical abuse, where those who are, 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 are being hit, abused, beaten up, threatened, whatever it may be. And it goes to as far as what uh, the thing today that I'm convinced, the more and more I see and the more and more I read, 
is that this is rampant, not just in our culture in America, but around the world today, is sexual abuse. Not just children, but even adults that are in human sex slavery and human trafficking. And so people are emotionally abused and physically abused and sexually abused. So there are true hurts that happen. And, and then from those hurts, there's anger, and then it can lead to bitterness. There's betrayals. Betrayals in marriage. Betrayals in relationships. Betrayals in friendships. Can't believe my friend would do that to me. You know, I thought we were friends. I can't, you know, those kind of things. We feel betrayed. There are lies. Lies that we're lied to or lied about. There's neglect. Someone just simply neglects uh, a person or, or us. But ultimately, I think this is where it all comes from. And uh, it's, it's about pride. Ultimately, if we're going to be bitter, we hold on to anger and bitterness. It ultimately is about pride. And I've had pushback many times on this. Uh, people don't understand this. But it really is. If I'm going to be offended, it's because I have pride. Because it, it's about me. But preacher, you don't know what they did to me. You, you just don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they hurt me. No, I don't know. But I, know who, I do know who does know. God knows. That's right. and, if we, and if we trust God, we believe God, we believe His Word, we know that God either brings things in our life or allows things in our life. And I don't believe He brings those kind of sins in our life that someone would do that to us. But I do know He allows it. In His sovereign power, He could stop it. But He allowed it. There's a reason that He allows some of these things in our lives that are hurtful. He uses them to grow us. But it ultimately, when we get angry about these things and hold on to it and it becomes bitter, it's from a place of pride. Me, 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 me. You just don't know. No, I don't know what was done to you, but I know what was done to me. I know what was done to me in my life. I know what I went through. And I came to the, the understanding that God allowed that in my life. And you know what? I had to trust Him with it and give it back to Him. I had to trust Him with it. Bitterness is this, and this is what we do. We get, we get angry at somebody, and we don't want to let it go, and then we get bitter. And so that bitterness, it doesn't just affect that person. It affects everybody around you. But here's what we do. Bitterness is me drinking the poison. Y'all have heard this before. But it's me drinking the poison and hoping that the other person will die. Yeah, I'm going to drink the poison. I hope they drop dead. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? But that's exactly what we're doing. Most of us now, most of us want harmony at home. Amen? You want harmony at home? You want peace at home? We want uncomplicated friendships. We want unity in the church. We want those things. But here's the fact. Conflicts happen. Problems happen. Hurts happen. If you're going to live in this world, you're going to live in this life, if you're going to interact with people, those things are going to happen. So we have to figure out how do we deal with those things when they do. When there's hurtful situations, how do we deal with that? Now, there was a Gallup poll done years ago on forgiveness. And here's the statistics I find very interesting. 94% of those surveyed said that it, it is important to forgive. 94%. It's important to forgive. But only 48% of them said that it was a practice for them to forgive. Seems a little hypocritical, doesn't it? 80, 90, 94% say, no, 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 forgiveness is very important. Uh, 80, uh, 48% make it a practice to forgive. You know what that tells me? It's very important for y'all to forgive. <laughs> y'all should be very patient and, and forgiving of me. Me, not so much. That's, that's what it says. 94% of those polled thought that forgiveness was essential. But 85% said they would need outside help in order to do it. They would need help. They would need someone else to help them in forgiving. So it's something we have, we have struggles with. And I think, again, I think that points back to our pride. So what did Jesus have to say about forgiveness? That's what we're going to look at this morning. Matthew 18, we're going to begin at verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. 
Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, the law, as I understand it, would have required, it would have called for them to, you know, up to four times. If there was an offense, you have to forgive it. It was kind of the standard, what they had said that was it. So Peter, Peter's coming to the Lord going, Lord, we're, we're different, right? We're different. So we should be more forgiving. So if they call for four times, then surely, Lord, we should, for what, forgive up to seven times? So, I mean, Peter, Peter's quick with opening his mouth and maybe... He, He's like, he's like me sometimes. He's Captain Obvious and, 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 and just bleh. You know, it just comes out. Whatever went through his mind came out his mouth. And so he's like, I don't know what he's doing here. Is he trying to impress the Lord? Lord, we're going to be better than them. They just said four. But I, what, what should we forgive? Lord, seven times? And, and the Lord says, uh, Peter, no, I, I, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, if you do math, Jesse, how much is that? Never mind. He said, don't math me, Dad. That's 490 times. Now, was the Lord saying, you, gotta keep, you can keep record. Keep your little book. And every time Randy Dixon does something, you just put a mark in there. When you get to 490, after, after 490, at 491, it's on. You, you, you can do whatever. 490, it's on, it's on. That's not what the Lord was saying. The Lord was saying, don't keep count. 490, that would be ridiculous. He said, don't keep count. Just forgive. That's what he's saying. Forgive. Up to 70 times 7. Don't keep count. So why should we forgive? Number one, this. Why forgive? Number one, because God forgave us. It's a good reason to forgive, isn't it? Look at verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. So when we see that, the Lord is teaching here. He's teaching it's like this. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And we'll talk about that in a minute, how much that is. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. Now right there on verse 25, I want you to think about this. Uh, he had a sin debt. He, well, he had a debt. When the debt, when it comes time to collect, look, the debt, if you've got a debt like that that you can't pay, it, it's, uh, it, it wrecks everything. He was going to be sold. His wife and children were going to be sold. It's destroying his home. What we're talking about, and we're going to relate it to a sin debt, but when there's sin in our lives, that's the kind of destruction it does in our lives and our homes. He was going to be sold into slavery. His family was going to be sold into slavery because he could not pay the debt that he owed. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Now this servant's debt, as, as you read there in verse 24, was 10,000 talents. And if you go back and do a little research, here, here's what it, what it tells us. He owed 10,000 talents. Now, one talent equaled about 20 years of labor. 20 years of labor. So that means this man owed 200,000 years worth of labor, uh, of payment. So if you put it in today's terms, in today's dollars, this man owed a debt that would be in the billions. Not millions, but in the billions. He, so can we, can we agree to this? He had a debt he could not pay. There was no way whatsoever this man could ever pay that debt. So, so understand how irrational that servant's response was when he says, Have patience with me and I will pay you all. Fell down and begged the king, Have patience with me. Does he think the king's a fool? You owe billions. You owe 200,000. It would take you 200,000 years to earn enough wages to pay off the debt that you have. And that's not you eating or paying your mortgage or, or taking care of your family or anything. Every penny going to paying back the debt. 200,000 years. There is no way. What a... No, no other way to say it than a fool. To say, oh, I, I'll pay it back. Just be patient. I'll pay it. it, was a, it maybe it was just a response of desperation. But it's a foolish response. He could not ever, ever, ever pay that debt. You see how vast that debt was. Now, the king wasn't deceived. It wasn't like the king listened to that and he goes, Oh, okay, well, yeah, 
Yeah, you probably could. But you know what? I'm just going to have patience. I'm just... No, no. King wasn't deceived. He was moved with compassion. He, he, he felt sorry for this servant. He, he, he didn't want to see all the things that were going to have to happen to the servant happen. And he simply forgave this servant and he canceled the entire debt. Now, I've heard people say this. Well, they can just write it off. Businesses just write it off. Uh, anybody have business and, and you, have, you write things off? Anybody ever, you've got business where you write things off? Uh, th- does that money just magically disappear and it doesn't cost you anything? No, if whoever's writing it off, it's costing them. The, the, the money now that he's forgiven this debt, this was his money, this was something owed to him, now he has forgiven the debt, that's money that's not coming back to him. He, he's, just, he's just erasing, that's gone. He's counting, he's paying it, he's absorbing the cost. You get that? Now, this man's debt was unpayable. It was absolutely unpayable. Our debt was unpayable. And we have to see ourselves in this story because we're that, we're that servant. We have a debt that we could not pay. There was no way we could ever pay it. There's not enough good deeds to do. There's no good works to do. There's no way to pay the debt. Romans 5, 12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. Folks, we have a sin debt. And because of that sin, we're separated from God. And, and there's nothing that we can do. There's no works we can do. There's not enough church. Ain't enough. We could get baptized every day till Jesus comes, and it's not going to do it. We can go work at the food bank. We can work in the clothes closet. We can walk old ladies across the street. We can carry groceries. We can work at the retirement home. Whatever. You can do all these things, and it may make you feel good about yourself, but it ain't doing a thing to help your sin debt. it's, It's not spitting in the ocean. It makes less impact than that. Isaiah 64, 6, but we're all like an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. All, all of them, put them all together. Put all of your righteousnesses together and it's just filthy rags. And and for a holy God and and a righteous God and a sinless God and a perfect, holy, trite, Thrice holy God in heaven, there is not even, not even one smidge of sin going to be in his presence. And we're filthy rags. We are, our debt is more unpayable than this, than this servant. Our debt is unpayable. Ephesians 2, 1. Before we're saved, and you, were, and you he made alive. If you've been born again, you he made alive who were dead, dead in trespasses and sins. Folks, we're dead. Spiritually dead. Dead, and there is nothing we can do to revive our dead spirit. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because of that sin, we are separated from holy God and us way down there. There's no way. Now, what Jesus was teaching here wasn't just about forgiveness in these verses. He is talking about forgiveness, but he's also telling us uh, you know, who belongs in the kingdom of God. And just like this servant who owed a debt to God that is impossible uh, for him to pay. We owe a debt to God that is impossible for us to pay. And just as the servant went before the king to give account, every one of us will have to settle our account before a holy and righteous God. We will stand before God, and that account will be, it will be settled. It will be reckoned, and we'll give an account. (coughs) And listen, when God forgives us, he doesn't ignore our sins. He doesn't pretend everything is fine and just fudge the numbers. No, when God forgives, he absorbs our debt himself. And it cost him. Just like that king absorbed the cost. He, paid, he ultimately paid the price for that servant when he forgave him. Listen, it cost Jesus his life to forgive sin and to offer us eternal life. He paid the debt that we could not pay. He was the only one who could pay that debt, and he paid the debt for us. It cost him everything. Jesus forgave our sin, not not because we deserve it and not, not that we could ever repay it. He forgave our sin, and folks, we must forgive others the sins against us. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiving one another, just as God in Christ 
forgave you. He doesn't say if, if, they, if they really, really, really sincerely come and apologize. Well, I know they apologize, but I don't think they really meant it. It didn't sound sincere. Maybe they don't apologize at all. There's, there's no qualifications on this. The Lord says, forgive one another just as God in Christ forgave you. Why forgive? Because God forgave us. Number two, because Jesus commands it. Look again at verse 22. Jesus said to, to him, I do not say to you up to seven times. He's talking about forgiveness. Should I forgive my brother up to, up to four times, up to seven times? Jesus says, no, up to 70 times seven. Jesus says, just forgive them. Forgive them. Verse 28. Then that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you all. Now this, this patient, this guy owed 100 denarii. He owed up basically 100 days wages. A few thousand dollars in today's terms. Now when this guy says, Have patience with me, and I'll repay you all. Is it possible he could repay the debt? This guy possibly could. It was a, the comparison here is there's, an, a debt, there's a debt that is unpayable. No, 200,000 years of, of labor salary. <coughs> this guy owes 100 denarii, 100 days of labor. Can this guy, is, is this a big debt compared to this debt? This is, a, this is a debt this guy couldn't do anything about. He's going to be sold. His family's going to be sold. He's going to be judged. All that's going to be done. This guy over here says, if you have patience with me, I'll pay you back. He really could. He could, he could do something about it. What we're seeing is it, it's uncomparable, the debt here. The debt that this guy owed the king versus the debt that was owed him. The, the wrong that was done to him versus the wrong that was done to the king. There is no comparison. You get that? And he would not. He says, so, so he's begging him, have patience with me. And he would not, verse 30. But went and threw him into prison till he could pay the debt. Now that's silly because if he's in prison, he can't work, and he can't make money, and he can't pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Verse 32. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? I forgave you a debt you could never repay. There was no way. You were hopelessly lost. There was nothing you could do. And I forgave that debt. And you go out here, should you not have had the same compassion and pity and concern with your fellow servant as I just had with you? Shouldn't you? And, and, and Colossians 3.13 says, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone hasn't complained against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. We should forgive the same way Christ has forgiven us. Again, Ephesians 4.32, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Matthew 6.12, Jesus Jesus prays here, he's teaching, he says, and forgive us our debts, the, 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 the Lord's prayer here, and forgive us our debts, how? As we forgive our debtors. There's an expectation that we forgive our debtors, that we forgive those who do wrong against us, that, that we forgive them. And, and he says, forgive us our debts as, like, in the same manner, in the same way that we forgive those who have debts against us. Wow, that's scary right there. Now, have you ever heard this phrase, hurting people hurt people? We've heard that, right? And typically people who really are, kind of have that reputation of hurting people, whether it's their mouth or they're violent, typically those people who are hurting other people, they're, ultimately they're hurting. And so hurting people hurt people. And here's why I'd say that, that really what the Lord tells us is that forgiven people forgive people. If you're really forgiven, if you're truly forgiven, you've truly been born again and you understand, you have to understand. Let me tell you, if you don't understand your sin, you don't understand how your sin has separated you from, from, from an almighty God, 
And, and if you don't understand that, I don't know that you're really saved. I don't, I don't think you can be saved if you don't really understand your lostness. You've got to understand that. There's a lot of people think they can just pray a prayer or, or, or you know, I, just, I went through a class and, and so now I'm going to heaven. No, no, no. You have to come to that understanding that I'm a sinner separated from God. I'm hopelessly lost. And the only way that I can be born again is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the only way. And so when we understand that, when we come to that understanding of the debt that I had, I'm that unfaithful servant. The debt that I have, the sin debt I have against God Almighty was unpayable. And yet he paid it for me. And what he says is, look, the debts others have with you, the things they do to you, I don't care how bad it is, it doesn't compare to the debt you had with me. It does not compare. And so whatever it is, forgive. As I forgave you, you forgive them. Forgive. Forgive. Forgiven people forgive people. It's what we do. It's what we do. Luke 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to come uh, to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair, with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed him with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to him saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Oh, isn't he so righteous? And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon. It's interesting. He turned to the woman but he's speaking to Simon. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Now, that would have been the very basic customary thing would be to wash feet when they came in. He didn't even offer that to Jesus. He didn't offer him. He didn't have someone wash his feet. He didn't even offer him water to wash his feet. And he says, when I came in your house... You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little." Folks, here's the deal. If, if, if we have struggle forgiving other people, it, 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 it may be an indication that we've not been forgiven. And we don't really understand the forgiveness that we've received from the Lord Almighty. If we're forgiven, we ought to love Jesus so much that we freely forgive others. Our focus ought to be so much on Him that it's not on us. It's not on what they did to me. We ought to be thinking what I did to Jesus and what he did for me. That's where our thought ought to be. So why do we forgive? Number one, because God forgave us. Number two, because Jesus commands it. Number three, because forgiveness frees us. It frees us. Unforgiveness is prison. It's prison. Make no mistake about it. It's prison. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, and even relationally. It's prison. Verse 34, Matthew 18, verse 34 and 35. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. Now, that's uh, New King James. Uh, the King James says tormentors. 
think the ESV reads jailers. It's all it's the same word. It's just in a different a different translation of that word. But it's the idea those jailers would have been tormentors. They would have been uh, torturers. That's what they would have been when they put them in prison. Prison was not a fun place to be. So they were turned over to the jailers. His master was angry and delivered him to the the tor torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. You know what happens when we don't forgive? We, we're, in, we're in prison. We're going to be in prison. We're going to be in prison spiritually, physically, uh, emotionally, and even uh, uh, relationally. Matthew six fourteen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you trespasses. Now, don't make a mistake. Don't anybody go out of here and say, Oh, preacher was talking about losing salvation this morning. Look, you're not going to lose your salvation. This is not a salvation, a losing of salvation. But it is, it is losing rewards, and it's losing our fellowship with God Almighty. People, people go, well, you know, uh, if I, you know I, I can worship at home. I don't have to come to church. And they abandon church. They quit coming to church. And they want to tell me how spiritual they are and how close to God they are. Folks, the Bible says don't forsake the gathering of ourselves together. It's a clear command in Scripture. So if I'm not obeying the command of Scripture, what am I? If I'm not obeying, I'm, I'm disobedient. So when I'm disobedient, am I in right fellowship with the Lord? No. no. So if I'm not forgiving when the Lord has again, we've already read again and again and again and again and again. He said to forgive. Forgive like I forgave. Forgive like I forgave. Forgive like I forgave. So if we don't forgive, then what are we? We're, we're disobedient. We're, we're, we're not in right fellowship with the Lord. And until we get that right, our fellowship with Him is not going to be the way it should be. And we're going to miss out on rewards. We're missing out on that fellowship. Hebrews 15, uh, 12, 15 again. Looking carefully, lest anyone should uh, fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Look, it, it, when we are in that prison, it's a problem for us. That bitterness springs up. It's a problem for us. But it's going to create problems for everybody around us when there's, a, when there's bitterness. And, 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 the, and the truth of this is, folks, we can't afford not to forgive. You can't afford not to. And I, I hear people say, yeah, I know what the Bible says. You know what the next word is, right? But... Uh, you know, I know what Scripture says, but I know what God tells me I'm supposed to do, but you know what the but is? It, the, it's me. It's me. I'm the but in that situation because I'm going, no, 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 no. I'm going to do it my way. I know God says to forgive him and, and leave it to him, let him take care of it. But you know what? That ain't good enough. I, I'm, I'm going to do it my way. That's what we're saying, folks. So we're in prison spiritually. Because there's disobedience. There's a distance then between us and God. There's a coldness in our walk with Him, our relationship with Him. And then there's a growing prayerlessness that comes with that. We're in a spiritual prison. We're physically, listen, physically we get in a prison. Listen to this. Medical research has found that the act of forgiveness actually improves cholesterol levels. You got a problem with cholesterol? Maybe you need to forgive. Strengthens the immune system in a time where COVID's going crazy again. You know what? You need to forgive. Strengthen that immune system. Reduces pain, lowers blood pressure and stress levels, decreases anxiety and depression, and even reduces the risk of cardiac arrest. We should forgive, folks. We carry all these things around and we wonder, why am I having these, these spiritual problems? Why am I having these physical problems? It might be that I'm walking around full of bitterness and anger, unforgiveness and resentfulness. Emotionally, man, when, when, we're, when we're bitter... Emotionally, we, have, we, we fight depression, anger, wrath, outbursts, become overly sensitive, get our, get our feelings hurt about everything. Get, get Just every little thing is, is a major ordeal and cannot let it go. It's a big deal. We're overly sensitive. We're moody. We're impatient. Anybody ever been there? Folks, I've been there. I've, I've walked through this. I went through a season of bitterness in my life. I, I, I've experienced all these things. And with all these issues, how could we, we not have relational problems? When you've got spiritual problems and physical problems and emotional problems, you're going to have relational problems. You're going to have problems in your marriage or in your, in, in your relationship with your friends, whatever. Now, misunderstanding 
Forgiveness often keeps us in bondage to grudges. We, we think that to forgive is to excuse sin or pretend the offense didn't matter. And neither, neither of those is true. Forgiveness is not about the other person. It's not about the other person. We, we, we think if, if I forgive, I'm letting them off the hook. Do you think God lets anything off the hook? Why, why are we concerned with that? The best we can get them back isn't going to be good at all. Let God deal with them. Let Him deal with it. But forgiveness is not about the other person. Forgiveness is God's gift to us to release us from the control of someone who has hurt us. Isn't that crazy? You go down the interstate, somebody cuts you off. What do you do for the next 20 miles? You're mad. You're mad at that person. They're 10 miles up the road. They don't even know you exist. And they've been 20 miles rent-free in your head. <laughs> I, just, I hope they're pulled over up here. I hope they flip. I hope they're, I hope they're in the ditch when I get up. You know what? Some of y'all have not ever thought that. <laughs> y'all are so so righteous. Y'all are so much holier than I am. I've not thought that <laughs> often. When we hold a grudge, we give someone else power over our emotions. We give them. We, you know, I thought about bringing some handcuffs in here and just handcuffing myself to somebody because that's what we do. I'm bitter with somebody. You know what I'm done. I'm bad at them. I can't stand it. And what have I done? I've, hand my, I've handcuffed myself to them. I ought to do feet and hands because everywhere I go. I'm... <laughs> you know what happens? They walk in the room. My blood pressure goes up. My anxiety goes up. Stress level goes up. And they don't even know you exist. Mm. Without forgiveness, just the thought of an offender puts knots in your stomach and sends your heart racing. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all know? Nobody wants to raise their hand now. They're like, you've experienced that. But when we forgive, we release to God our, listen, our perceived right to vengeance or restitution. We don't have, I actually was doing some study and I kept reading, uh, I was reading different things and these guys were saying, they were saying, you know, our right to vengeance. We release that to God, our right to vengeance. That's wrong. We don't have a right to vengeance. We don't have a right to that. We don't have a right to vengeance. We don't have a right to restitution. We perceive that we do. We perceive, well, I, I want to get back at them. I want to get even. And that's, not, that's not our right. That's God's business, not our business. Forgiveness puts our relationship with God back in proper alignment. We acknowledge that He is the judge, not us, and that He has the right to bring about any resolution He chooses. Forgiveness is the choice to trust God rather than ourselves with the outcome of the offense. So why do we forgive? Because God forgave us, because Jesus commands it, because forgiveness is, uh, it frees us. And so the last thing is this. How do I forgive? Some of you may be wondering, how do I, how do I forgive? I want, I want to tell you a little story right here. I don't, I don't, typically, I don't really like to tell these um, because I never know who's going to watch. But um, I've shared with you very openly the abuses that I went through as a kid. I've talked about those things. And so I don't shy away from that. And, and 20, 20 plus years ago, when I first got into ministry, in one of the classes, we were doing the shape class, and we were talking about experiences of life, and I was sharing that in there. One of the guys in there, one of the men in that room, he, he, um, he asked me, he said, can I take you to lunch one day? He said, I need to talk to you. So we go to, we go to lunch. And he said, um, he said, how do you do that? I said, do what? He said, how, how, how do you forgive that? And he tells me his story, and his story was worse than my story. The things that he had been through, what he had been put through. And he says, how do you forgive? He said, I have not been able to forgive. And so we talked about that. But there was a grown man with wife, beautiful wife and children, and he was still in prison to those things that were done to him 25, 30 years ago in his life. Still in prison because he could not Forgive. He could not let it go. So here's, here's how we forgive. With simple obedience and making a choice to let it go. You go, well, preacher, that's too, that's too easy. Well, salvation is very simple too, but it's not, it wasn't easy. There's nothing easy about salvation. It costs the Lord his life. But it's simple. The gospel is very simple. And God's given us the answer. He said, forgive. So, would you agree with this? Love is a choice. Yes. Love is a choice. 
You may not like your spouse. You may, not, you may have got up this morning and been on the way to church and go, you know, I don't even like you right now. But you love them. Love is a choice. We choose to love. And just like love is a choice, forgiveness is a choice. We choose to love and we must choose to forgive. Going back to Ephesians 4, verse 31 says, Let, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. There's things, there, there's some action on our part there. We need to put it away. But we also need to let it be put away. A lot of times, I've shared this before. I shared this illustration. Alan Reynolds, uh, Aaron, that was here a few weeks ago, his older brother taught this thing. He just did a little, a little skit in church, and he had this bag, imaginary bag on his back. He's carrying it around, you know, and he comes to the altar, and he lays it down, and he prays. And he prayed out loud, and he's talking about, Lord, I give this to you. I lay this burden on you, and I, I, whatever. And, and he gets up, and as he got up, he, he, goes, to, he goes to leave, and he, and he goes back, and he picks it up. And he carries it. That's what we do. That's what we do. See, we have to let. We have to let these things be put away from us. We've got to make that choice. Put it away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. Just as God in Christ forgave you. Put it away from you. Put that down before you hurt yourself. Because it's going to hurt you and it's going to hurt others. Put it down. Give it to the Lord. Vengeance is the Lord's. He'll pay for He'll repay. He'll take care of those things. You know, our, our desire is that person would come to repentance. If they're not a believer, they would come to repentance and faith and be born again. If they are a believer, that they would come to a brokenness and a repentance. And, and at some point, they would actually come to you and say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry about what I did. I know that was wrong. That's, but we give that to the Lord. Whether they do that or not, we forgive them. It's a choice we make. Now, you've heard this forgive and forget. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah, forgive and get. Go, I, I, I've forgiven, but I can't forget. Now, I'm going to tell you what. If that's your mentality, you've not forgiven it. And here's what happens. Now, we're not... We're not here's, here would be your response, right? I say forgive and forget, and you go, yeah, right, preacher, whatever. Forgive and forget. But here, here's how that works. I wish, I, wish we had a, I wish we could just highlight, like we do on our computer, highlight what we didn't like, the things that happened. We could just highlight it, hit delete, and it'd be gone. I wish we could do that, but we can't. The things that happened to you have happened to you. They're in your memory. They're, 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 there are hurts. You may have open wounds emotionally still from something that happened to you. But here's what happens. When you let these things be put away, here's what happens. When you truly forgive... It's amazing. You start to forget. You go, preacher, how does that work? Well, just imagine somebody right now that you're, that you're mad, at, mad at, somebody you're angry with, someone you may be, be bitter with. Imagine that person. How many of you are imagining something? No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but if, if you do have that, here's what happens. When you're bitter and they walk in the door, start racing, your face might get flush, you get a little flustered, you, you, you get upset, your blood pressure went up, your anxiety level went up, you're like, I don't want to talk, you're stressed. All that happens when you see that person. Or you're in a conversation and somebody brings their name up and all you can do to bite your tongue because you, 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 it's the same thing. But here's what happens. When you really forgive, what happens a little later on is you see them or you hear that and, and you go, why was I mad at them? I can remember it. You're not going to forget it. I got a scar. It's about six inches long on, on my leg right here where I was thrown out of a car. My junior year of high school. We got hit, flipped, thrown out of the car. And I can tell you how it happened. I can tell you how it felt. I can tell you how it hurt, how they waited till the nerves started hurting again before they decided to stitch it up. They, they, they waited. You know, they didn't do it when it was numb. They waited till it was, you know, I can tell you those hurts that were there. I can tell you how it felt as it was healing, but today, because it's healed, I didn't sit there and pick at it and get infected and keep it infected for the last 40 years. I quit picking at it. I let it go. I let it get healed. And today I see the scar, but it doesn't hurt. 
Those hurts in our past can be the same way. They can leave scars. Scars don't hurt. If, if there's something that happened a long time ago, it's because we're still picking at it. We, every time it comes up, we're picking at it. And, it. and it stays infected because we won't give it to God and let it go. When we really forgive, we begin to forget. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. And we've talked about before, casting all your care. How much care? All. all of it. Do you think your past hurts are part of that? No. You think the things someone did to you that you're angry about is a part of that all? It is. Even your hurts. I'd say especially your hurts. Cast them on the Lord. Give them to Him. Lord, I choose to forgive that person. And Lord, heal my heart. Heal my heart. So what we have to do is we have to be humble like Christ, have an attitude like Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the, sor the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross." Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Folks, here's what we got to do. Instead of focusing in this story on the servant who wouldn't forgive, we need to focus on the king who can and does forgive. Our focus should be on the Lord. And it's really about love. If I, I had a little bit there, I'm going to just share it this way. Um, I, we will be known by our love. The world around us looks at us and says, that we ought to be known by our love, the way we treat each other, the way we talk to each other, the way we talk about each other. Man, you go down to the convenience store, and they, oh, you go to Geneva. Yeah, I know so-and-so over there. I can't stand that guy. <laughs> yeah, your pastor, I, know, I met him one time. Yeah, that jerk. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he can't preach a message in under 45 minutes. And he's every week, it just goes forever. <laughs> Long-winded. No, they know us by our love. Here's the deal. God's love sent Jesus from the glories of heaven down to the humility of earth, born from a, a, a virgin's womb, born, born there in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, baptized in the Jordan. He, he, he was tempted out in the wilderness. He lived a sinless life. He was betrayed by his own. They met, and, and, and it was love that he did that. It was because of his love for us that he did that. Then, then his love is what took him up Mount Calvary. It was love that made him spread his arms out on that cross as they nail him to that cross. It was love that, that, that he looked to heaven and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It was because of his love. It was because of his love that he died for us. And they buried him in that tomb. And, and, but, but the story doesn't end there. And three days later, he rose from the dead. Amen. And when he rose from the dead, he won victory over death, hell, sin, and the grave. He won that victory for us. He did that for us. He paid that price for us. So when we repent of our sin, we acknowledge and confess our sin to him. We confess that. We acknowledge that. We repent. And we come by faith to Jesus where our sin is forgiven. Our unpayable debt is forgiven. We should have no problem forgiving anything that someone does to us. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. It, it, 